Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you would this evening, would you go with me to the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. And let's remember to keep our pastor in prayer and... Uh, we're going to have to rebuke this spirit of sickness that is coming against him. And I mean that in a, in a serious manner. We need to rebuke the, this sickness that has come against him over the past couple of months. It is an honor to have my sweet mother in love here tonight and her friend, our friend, Sister Judy. I, she caught me by surprise tonight and I told her I was going to preach against mother-in-laws. But so now, <laughs> so now I've got to change my message. No, I'm teasing. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have her in my life. Luke 10 and 38. And now it came to pass, and you can remain seated while we, while we read. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing, everybody say one thing, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. For the last, uh, I guess, some 17 years, I preached my first message as an adult. Now, I preached a lot of messages as a, as a youngin. I preached to whoever my cousins would listen to, and I preached to birds and squirrels. And But my first adult message was August of 2005. And from that message until the last one I preached before this one, um, Jennifer has always asked me what I was preaching or what it was on or what my title was. And, and uh, I, I would always share with her. Sometimes I'd even come in and find her in my notes. And uh, she'd look up at me and say, you need to change this or this needs to come out. <laughs> So uh, this will be my first message uh, without her approval tonight. So if you don't like it, you're just going, when we see her again, you're going to have to blame her. Come to think of it, over the last 17 years, if any of them you didn't like, you, you, can, you can blame her. Praise the Lord. Would you pray with me this evening? Father, I love you, and I'm so thankful that you've given us the privilege to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Give us the privilege to come in here and magnify and worship you and lift up the name of Jesus. 
I count it an honor to be here, not only with this congregation, but with you, Lord. And I ask for the next few moments that you touch our hearts and minds and help us to hear and receive the word of the Lord tonight. And I ask that you touch me tonight, God. Touch these lips of clay, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And the whole house said amen. amen. On one condition. Have you ever heard that phrase, you know, perhaps you're brokering a deal or, or uh, you might be looking for a job or preparing to hire someone and, and the phrase is brought up on one condition. We can do this deal, we can, we can have this agreement, but there's a condition that needs to be met. There's, there's a certain thing that we're going to have to get straight between us. Regardless of what the circumstances might be, you know when you hear those words that everything is going to be decided by whether or not that one condition is accepted or met. And this is also true concerning our relationship with the Lord. There is one condition that everything hinges on. We read in verse 42 of Luke chapter 10, But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. In other words, there's one condition that is required, and Mary, Mary accepted that condition. She, she met that condition, and that condition... Tonight is hunger, and I'm going to preach that uh, for a few minutes, a hunger condition. We all are familiar with Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 where the Lord tells us, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's a promise from the Lord that if we seek after hunger, we will, we will be filled with His righteousness. I, I looked up in Webster's Dictionary uh, this evening, and I just briefly looked up the word hunger, which simply means to suffer, want, to be needy, to crave, or to seek with an eager desire. Google's definition of hunger is a strong desire or craving. Thirst, simply put, is to suffer thirst or suffer from thirst. I feel confident in here that most everybody at some point in their life has been thirsty. We know what it feels like to be thirsty. To thirst is to feel the want or the need or the, the eagerness for a drink of water or whatever it might be to refresh us and, and strengthen us. But hunger and desire does not come upon us suddenly. Hunger just doesn't come upon us unexpectedly or, or uninvited. You know, hunger has to be cultivated. It takes some time for, for hunger to, to take place. You know, I can, sometimes I would come in to, to Jenny or to my mama, and have you ever heard the phrase, I'm starving? I'm starving. Perhaps I've worked all day or, or and worked through lunch and did, couldn't find the time to stop and eat, so I would come in and say, I, you know, I'm hungry, I'm starving. But really, truly, I was not starving because there have been tests and things done that, Studies that show and prove that there are some people who can live up to 21 days without food. Now looking at me, I'm obviously one of them that could reach that, that max and that capacity. So I really wasn't starving, but I just felt hungry. But to really be starving and to be dying of malnutrition... It's going to take some time. It, it has to be cultivated. There's some water that needs to flow under the bridge, so to speak. And we all know that the human body can make it about three days without water. So my point in saying all that is you don't just get hungry 
all of a sudden. It's something that takes a little time. The spiritual aspect of our lives is no different. We have to create a place of emptiness that cries out to the Lord to be filled. The Word of God instructs us, matter of fact, to seek after hunger. The Word tells us to pray for it, to fast for it, to worship for it, whatever it takes to get God's attention and for Him to create that desire of thirst and hunger for more of Him in our lives. The intensity of our hunger will determine the dimension and the degree of our feeling. You want a little bit of the Lord? He'll pour a little bit out. But if you come into the house with great expectation and wanting all that you can get for God and have a hunger and a desire from Him, He's committed to fulfill that promise and He will fill us. Many times, you know, as Christians, we lose our spiritual appetite because we have allowed our souls to be filled with natural earthly things. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me tonight. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about the cares of life that sometimes bog us down and, and uh, they cloud our minds and they almost cripple us at times. But hunger and thirst and spiritual desire, it is the single most required characteristic of a growing, maturing, advancing Christian life. Yet it seems at times, or for me at least, I won't, I won't put you in this boat with me. I'll paddle by myself. But sometimes it seems it's the most easily forsaken or lost. It seems at times it's so easy to forget how important it is in our lives and how fast we can drift away from the feeling of hunger for the Lord. So we must constantly question ourselves and do a self-examination of ourselves. What is our attitude toward the Lord, His presence and His Word? Martha, we read, welcomed Jesus into her house, but she forsook His presence for earthly concerns. She, she took the presence of the Lord for granted. She felt that what she was doing was more important than what Jesus was saying. However, the word tells us that Mary sat at his feet to hear his words. Mary, Mary blocked out everything that was going on around her and everything in the world and she gave all of her undivided attention to Jesus. And if you ask that why tonight, is it because she was hungry. Martha had not accepted the hunger condition. No doubt, don't misunderstand, Martha loved Jesus. But scripture tells us that she was busy seeing to the needs of him and others. The Bible referred to it as cumbered about with much serving. Martha wasn't living in sin. Martha wasn't being disobedient or rebellious. But Martha had simply let the cares of life overtake her and it got in the way of her hunger for more of the Lord. I don't want you to, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand here tonight, but just for a moment I want you to think with me and I want you to count. Since the first note was struck on the piano or Brother Chris sang the, the first word of the song, I wonder how many times our mind has drifted off to what was going on at the house. What, what I didn't get finished on the job today. What I know that I must do tomorrow. And my mind slips away. I'll be transparent with you this evening. And I had to catch myself a few moments ago several times because the cares of life sometimes seem to get in our way. And it's, it's so easy to get cumbered about, as the Lord said. The church is filled with people like Martha who are busy 
about the Lord's business, but they've never met the hunger condition. They're busy working for the Lord, diligently serve Him, but they don't have a hunger condition to have their lives full of Jesus and everything about Him. Thirst or spiritual hunger and desire is the thermometer. It's the benchmark that determines the spiritual health of a believer and of a church. That's why it is so important that collectively as a group, all of us be hungry for more of God because if we're not hungry and thirsty, then we won't eat and we won't drink. And we all know here what happens when that takes place. Pretty soon when you don't eat and drink, you start dying off. And it's the same for a church or a body of believers. When we don't when we don't cultivate an atmosphere for the presence of the Lord and the Holy Ghost don't move, if that goes on service after service after service, it won't be long before the whole congregation is spiritually dead. And we cannot allow ourselves or allow others for that to take place. Psalms 63 and 1 says, O oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Verse 2 says, To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. What David was saying here, at the time David wrote this psalm, he was in the wilderness in Judah. And he is declaring how he wants to see the power and the glory of the of the Lord and in verse 2 his last phrase said so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary we all know what it feels like to feel the power and the presence of the Lord on Sunday and Wednesday and that's what David was referring to he said I've been in the sanctuary I've been in the house of the Lord and I know what it feels like to feel the power of the Lord but Lord I'm getting up early this morning because I'm in the wilderness I'm in a dry and desolate place and I need to feel your power and I need to feel your strength and as individuals that's what we have to cultivate in our mind to tell the Lord every day I need more of you I need more of you today than I had yesterday the writer Isaiah said in 44 and verse 3, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. A study of the book of Second Kings, you will find that three kings facing a dilemma where they were deep into the wilderness, and they were surrounded by the hostile enemies, and they had run out of water. And the solution, the one condition that was, that was given to them was to make empty. The instructions were to make the valley that they were in full of ditches. In other words, they had to create a capacity, create a holding tank to hold the water. These three kings, at the word of the Lord, began to dig these ditches. It did not make any sense to them at the time. They no doubt was tired and thirsty and they didn't feel like digging. But being prompted by the Lord, they started digging anyway. Not, not for amusement, not for exercise, but they were digging for their lives. Their lives depended on digging those ditches and receiving that from the Lord. And I'm, I'm not trying to paint our world gray here this evening, but I believe with all my heart that in these last days, the church, you and I, are digging for our lives. 
we're digging for the souls of our lost children, our lost family, our lost loved ones. This is, it's not about comfort. It's not about convenience. It's not about preference. It's not about what makes me feel good. It's all about survival. And I've come to tell you tonight that many of you already know it's a matter of life and death. Because you and I will spend an eternity somewhere. And if we're not committed to the cause of Jesus Christ, we have to back up and ask ourselves the question, what more can I do? What more do I need to do? Because Jesus is coming back. And we are in the last days, ladies and gentlemen. I know we've heard it our whole life. But I believe everyone here can apparently see upon what we see in the news and what perhaps what you might read, we're in the last hour. We're in the final hour. And I want to be in tune with the Spirit of God. I want to be in, in right alignment with Him. And I want to do everything I can to make sure that my lost family and my lost loved ones are saved. That's why it is so critical. And I know it's hard to do, especially on a Wednesday night. But it's, it is so critical as a church that we treat every service like it may be our last service. When we come through those doors, it's a difficult thing to do. It's easier said than done. But when we come through those doors, whatever is weighing us down, we need to leave it at the door. Because it is crucial that we create an atmosphere that the Spirit of the Lord can move and work. There are people... There are people that will come into the house and it may be their first and their last opportunity. And shame on us if we sit on our hands and refuse to worship because we don't feel like it or because the song didn't suit us. We're obligated. We're obligated tonight to create an atmosphere so that the Lord can move and work. I remember a story that my, my grandmother would tell and I, I may get a, a few, a little bit of the details wrong, but my, my mother could, she'll clear me up if I'm wrong, I assure you of that. But uh, my grandmother had a, a sister-in-law that had a son that she had prayed for for many, many years to, to come to the Lord and to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but he, he would not. He lived a life of sin, and he just would not commit to the Lord. It was having a revival, if I remember correctly, over in the little white church, and he decided to come, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he lived in Jacksonville. And he come to church, and he sit on the back pew, and the Holy Ghost began to move, and, and the Spirit moved on him, and he clenched that back pew, as some would say, and refused to come to the altar and give himself to the Lord. And tragically, that night on his way back home, he was in a car accident and was killed. Never again to have the opportunity to give his life to the Lord. So we never know. It may be someone's first and last time. So we got to do everything we can to make sure that the atmosphere is right for the Lord to move. It's not, it's, it doesn't matter if the temperature's right. It doesn't matter if the praise team picked the song I like, if it's the preacher I like to hear. No, no, no. You know, I know sometimes we bring a guest or a visitor and we want Brother Boyd to preach. It's okay. I'm not offended. I'm the same way. You walk in and you see Jerry up here and you say, oh gosh, I, was, I wanted so-and-so to hear Brother Boyd tonight. I get that. I, I understand it. But it's about creating a hunger and a thirst in our lives, coming into this holy house and leaving everything that's in and of this world at that door and pouring ourselves into him 
until he feels that hunger and he satisfies our thirst. In the hour that we live in, there are so many that are going to have to make a choice, going to have to decide, are we going to do what we've always done because we've always done it that way? Are we going to hold on to the old and try to force God to agree with us and meet us here? And I'm not talking about... uh, giving up on doctoral standards or, or, or setting issues of the Word of God aside. That's not what I'm talking about. But we have to ask ourselves, are we going to die of spiritual malnutrition or are we willing to accept the hunger condition and realize that there's more? There's more to this. Every day, the Lord says that, that His power and His anointing is fresh and new. There's more every day. Uh, the writer spoke of a new oil, a fresh oil, because God has more that he wants to fill us with. He has more that he wants to pour into us. And if, if we do want more, then I'll tell you today that we've got to start digging. And we've got to dig for our lives like, it, like our lives depend on it because it does. Sometimes you're going to have to dig through religion because religion won't sustain you. You've got to dig through anger and resentment because... That'll, that'll cripple us. you got to dig through stubbornness and dig through feelings of emotions and, and dig through the cares of life. And we got to dig until we hit that fresh anointing that I just spoke of, of the power and of the glory of God like we've never experienced before. We know that the, the Word tells us that in the last days He will pour His Spirit out upon all flesh. Now it's easy here in America to look around and say, well, we're not in this big revival States yet the, really don't see the Lord pouring His Spirit out all over the United States of America. But I don't need to remind you tonight that this is just a small blip on the map. That revival is going on all over the world. Tonight while we sit in this air conditioner with this nice music and these lights and you're able to have your Bible in your hand, there are people in the country of China in a dark basement with no music no air conditioner they're looking at their Bible reading their Bible by way of a candle because they have a hunger and a thirst for the Lord and I know it's hard for us to imagine that but we have to cultivate that in our lives and we've got to understand that the church is not built upon the foundation of scripture alone now I know that Jesus is the cornerstone but it's not built upon the spirit alone but it's a, a or the word alone, but the life and the power that is contained in the word. John 6 and 63 said, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiting nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What Paul was saying there is, if I could put it in our modern vernacular, is that every song, Every testimony, every sermon, every lesson taught, every time we open our Bibles, every time we hit our knees and pray, we're digging. We're we're aiming for the manifestation of the presence and the power of God. More power and more glory than we've ever known is available to us. But it will only come to those who meet the condition. And that condition is hunger and thirst. What has happened to Christianity is that most Christians are comfortable being like the Pharisees. You just tell us what the rules are and we'll do our best to keep them and and we'll try to abide by them and then when we get there, when we attain that righteousness, 
we'll stand on our platform and tell everybody around us that we've arrived. And I can't help but to notice when I read the word of God that he seems to be more concerned about my hunger than he is my righteousness. It seems the journey with him is more important than the outcome. And sadly, many people give up because they can't pull off this righteous life. And I've said this a hundred times and I'll say it a thousand more if the Lord will give me breath. But the Holy Ghost don't need any help. Jesus is in the life-changing business. He is the original Mr. Clean. And if we will let him get our heart right, Jesus will do the cleaning up. It, it's, not, it's not up to me and you to tell somebody how they need to dress, how they need to walk, how they need to talk. The most important thing is that they can come to the house of the Lord and feel the presence of the Lord and allow the Holy Ghost to do a work in their lives. We don't have to tell them to spit it out. We don't have to shake their mouth and pop them on the head and tell them it's there, it's there, just spit it out. The Holy Ghost has been working by itself for 2,000 plus years. It doesn't need you and I tonight. What we need to do is just cultivate an atmosphere where the Holy Ghost can work. And the good news for you and I is that you and I can pull off. We may struggle. We may struggle to be righteous all the time. But we can pull off this hunger and thirst. We can pull that off because simply that's what we're doing here tonight. You're here tonight because you was hungry for the Lord. You come to worship the Lord. You come to hear the word of the Lord preached. And we're breaking the bread of life. And we're, we're committing to Jesus that we have that hunger. The world, the world is in trouble. I think we all know that. Everywhere you look, the streets, the stadiums, the malls, the towns, they're filled with people who are continuously looking for something, hungry and thirsty, looking for something to fill that void in their heart. And when it's not Jesus, it's like trying to stick a square peg in a round hole. You can spend all you want to spend, go anywhere you can and see whatever you want to see, but nothing the old songwriter said, nothing can satisfy my soul like Jesus. People suffer from a lack of spirituality and longing and they try to fill their lives with anything they can. You know, I, I was going through town early the other morning and, and uh, don't misunderstand me here, I'm not preaching against coffee, I love coffee. But I was going through town the other morning and the, there's a new little coffee shop in town and uh, if you go there, please don't, don't tell them I, this is probably a poor illustration, but I'm done out here. But they were lined up down the street, several cars, trying to get in, waiting their turn to get into the coffee shop. And I, I'm pretty confident that the vehicle was running and the air conditioner was going. And I thought for a minute, now here people are jumping up and down about $5 gas and how high meat is, but don't think twice about pulling in a coffee shop to get a $7 cup of 8-ounce coffee with ice in it that's so bitter you can't drink it. I, I, I can't wrap my mind around that, but, but people, what happens is they have this huge void and they're trying to fill everything and I'm not implying that they're, they're trying to fill their heart with coffee. You, I think you know where I'm going, but they're willing to be satisfied with anything. 
Has anybody ever eat cotton candy? You go to the fair or, or to a, a circus or whatever in that machine and the cotton candy is spinning round and round. I can remember the first time that I eat cotton candy. Uh, they stuck the little cone in there and the lady wrapped it all around and it was so pretty and looked just like a cloud. And when you bite into it, you're just eating air. I mean, there's, there's nothing there. It, it, it didn't satisfy me. Matter of fact, it made me more hungry. I wanted one of them big pretzels with mustard all over it and a big Coca-Cola. But it, there was nothing there to sustain me. And so when we, when, we don't, when we don't develop an attitude or when we don't cultivate a place in our heart for Jesus, that's what happens to us. We just, we just continue to be hungry and never filled. I'm going to ask our musicians to come tonight. Jesus understands our longing and offers each of us true happiness by hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Hungering and thirsting are our most fundamental needs. Jesus came into this world hungry and Jesus left this world thirsty. Only he knows what will truly satisfy our deepest longings and cravings. We will often get what we hunger and thirst for. The problem is that the things of life will leave you and I eating a corn husk in a pig pen far away from the Father's protective hand. The promise to you and I is that the treasure of heaven in the Father's house satisfies us every time. How many times have you come to church dragging couldn't hardly get yourself here. But once you entered into these doors and began to feel the presence and the power of the Lord and the Spirit begin to move, it was just like a refreshing. See, God reminds us every day that there are more riches, there's more blessing at His table than we can ever dream. We just have to concentrate on hunger and thirsting and He will reward us with righteousness. Spiritual hunger. A hunger condition. It's what I've been preaching about tonight. So I ask us, I pose a question. Are you, are you hungry for God? Are you thirsty for a fresh anointing of power? Or are you satisfied with speaking in tongues last year and feeling the Lord move on you six months ago? If we've lost that hunger and thirst as we stand across this house, if we have lost that hunger and thirst, and again, I'm not talking about sin tonight. I'm talking about capital L-I-F-E has burdened you down. Then there is only one, one easy thing that we need to do. I just need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've allowed life to get in the way. I've allowed my job, I've allowed things that really don't matter to come between me and you and what's most important. And so for the next few moments tonight, you can make an altar where you stand or I open these altars to us and let's take a moment and ask the Lord, God, if, if there's something in the way, I want you to help me get it out. God, if there's something more that I need to be doing, I want you to reveal that to me tonight. Would you pray with me tonight, church, and let's ask the Lord to cultivate in us, create a desire in us for hunger. If it's, if it's hunger we want, let's pray for hunger. If it's thirsty that we are, let's ask God to 
to fill us and to restore us and tell him that we are ready, that we're ready to receive the presence and the power of the Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.